I don't even know where you're sitting at. But. <laughs> Welcome to the first ever Not Another Fantasy Podcast. Uh, I go by L.A. <laughs> I go by Luis. And <laughs> also what my uh, parents gave me at birth. <laughs> my name, too. That's why I'm going by L.A. Uh, but uh, basically why we're doing this is because we're two fantasy enthusiasts who actually love the ins and outs of fantasy, uh, find it hard to find good podcasts that we could actually get good advice from. And actually, on a week-to-week basis, look forward to listening to it. So I said, why not? Yeah, I think nowadays a lot of uh, podcasts are pretty biased. Um, you know, they'll usually go for whoever the, the popular guy is or trending guy. They'll, they'll tell you to go pick that up, which is obviously more than obvious. Um, and I think we were, we're going to try to give out more unbiased opinions and more uh, down, down to earth from the, from the little guys playing it all the day. And some realistic waiver pickups, not no waiver pickups that are gone three weeks ago. Yeah, right. We don't want you to go pick up Keyshawn Johnson uh, from waivers. <laughs> <laughs> or Plastic O'Burst, knowing that he's still in jail. But that's a different topic. A uh, little background, uh, 10 years of experience. Uh, I am my own dynasty. I'm looking to three-peat this year, <laughs> just to give you a little background. Uh, I play PPR leagues, standard leagues. Uh, that's basically what I'm into. Uh, yeah, I'm more of the uh, I'm more humble, so I'm not gonna be calling myself a dynasty per se. But I do have a couple good five, six, seven years uh, of uh, playing fantasy football. I've played PPR, half PPR, and standard scoring. Haven't had any chance to experiment with any altered uh, lineups as far as like two quarterback goes, or um, you know, no kicker with three flexes and all that. You know, different variations that you can do. Um, but, you know, we'll try to give the best advice possible. And the, the, the overall purpose of the podcast is just to basically educate you, give you a strategy on how to approach fantasy and basically our love for fantasy and sports overall. And just kind of, you know, give you some insight of the way we approach it. Uh, just a heads up, we do co-own a couple teams. Um, that's how we came about this. Uh, we've been at it a couple years co-owning. Um, we co-owned in the PPR league. Uh, this year we're going standard and PPR. Uh, PPR, if you guys don't know, it's points per reception. So, Correct. you know, it's uh, you can have half points out there, full points, different types of leagues. But uh, the one thing, the most passionate thing I love about fantasy is I, I tend to find out that it usually leads to a bond in a family of a group of guys just basically getting together and talking shit and <laughs> basically. enjoying sports, time away from their life. And they look forward to Life that. and wife. Yeah, yeah, all around. And they look forward to that August when that preseason comes because Oof, even when those games here. don't mean shit, um, they mean a lot because it means that football's back in. That means fantasy's back in. That means players are out there, people are getting hurt, people are getting traded, people are getting dropped, um, and all that obviously – you need to consider when you're going into the draft as all that is going to impact how you draft and and how the, what the outlook of your team is going to be. Correct. And I think a, a big thing when it comes to fantasy for football is not really so much the competition. It's the, the engagement the you engagement, have with yeah. actual people and the shit talking that you get to get into when it's the draft. If you have a live draft and the food that's at the live draft and talking shit about last year and who finished last and who basically drafted a kicker in the first round. Uh, 
all that, you know, leads to just fun times. And the real reason why we love fantasy and why we're doing this podcast is it's that it's the bond that it builds between a bunch of guys that get together or gals who love fantasy. You know, personally, it's one of my favorite times of the year besides Thanksgiving because I get to eat. Uh, But I look forward to football coming around and just having a good time getting together and going over stats, going over players who who are sleepers and listening to people tell me who their sleepers are and knowing damn well they sound stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Wanting to straight up tell them that's garbage. (laughs) So all that that being said, you know, let's let's um, let's get to our our first point. Now, we want to give like a quick drafts 101 kind of. Uh, episode, um, you know, I guess the first question would be, how do you prefer to draft? You know, do you usually do uh, online drafts, offline drafts? Do you guys get together? You know, do you guys just do it all on the apps? You know, different platforms. And this was one topic when we came about making this podcast. We talked about how we're going to do this. Are we going to base this off mocks? And I came with the proposal to Luis, and I said, how about we just base it off our last year's team to give some these people, you know, an insight of actually how we approach it. What we did. And um, the real world good approach that we always take is best player available. You know, you'll hear podcasts that talk about uh, if there's a quarterback available that you really want, should you reach for them? Or is there a tight end that's worth the first round draft pick? My insight is I will never draft a quarterback <laughs> or tight end in the first, second, or third round. Yeah, no. So all you Mahomes lovers, I get it. He threw for 50 touchdowns last year, and that all sounds amazing because you think he's going to repeat it. But more often than not, you know, there is some regression to players. Um, so I do think that going probably the first, what, six, seven rounds, I think it's at that point, anything after the sixth, seventh round, I think it's a good point to start looking for your quarterbacks. Um, if you ask me, I think I usually go running back first. I usually try to go running back the first two rounds. Um, but like we said, it, it is always about, you know, best available. You know, if it's the first round and you find yourself getting a McCaffrey and then you're coming back on the second round and your next running back is your Dalvin Cook or picking up, a, I don't know, some star out wide out like for some, I don't know, DeAndre Hopkins, then obviously you want to go with best available at that point. You know, you, you would go with. With Hopkins, huh? Definitely. One thing I think you always have to approach when you're dealing with fantasy is your first two picks have to be home runs. They cannot be busts. They cannot be what-ifs. So you should not really be looking to bank on somebody who's having contract issues or somebody who's holding out or someone who's already, you know, lingering on the injury report. Your first two picks guarantee have to be home runs. If they're not home runs, you're setting yourself up for failure. And what I mean by that is you're looking already to handcuff. So down to draft, you're already going to have to go ahead and use additional picks to make sure that you're guaranteeing yourself those picks will go ahead and at least pay out somewhat. So just to give you guys some insight, we'll go over uh, our team that we drafted last year. Uh, Just to break it down a little bit, uh, I believe our first overall pick last year was Leonard Fournette. That that was my bad. (laughs) Totally. And and, and trust me, I don't let him sleep a day without knowing that. But we came back in who I like to refer to as the suburb Le'Veon Bell, just to be politically correct. But we all know what that means. Uh, My second overall recommendation was Christian McCaffrey, and we all know how that turned out. The man is a beast. If you look at him this year, he looks like he's on something. I don't know if I would be worried if he's going to pass any tests. I'm surprised we were able to get him. Yeah. Because that was what, second round? That was second round. So we came, Leonard Fournette, I believe we were around the fifth or sixth pick, mid between. It's Snake. So on the way back, we got Christian McCaffrey. 
Um, from there, I did tell Luis that there was one wide receiver that I was dying to get. And uh, I think he paid off for us last year. I think so. You're talking and, about uh, Mr. Juju Smith-Schuster. Yes, sir. Who is the new and only number one, if you come to think about it, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, that was an incredible pick. Uh, it was a PPR league, so if you guys haven't looked at uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's numbers, he not only gets a bunch of yards and touchdowns, but he will be making around 8 or 10 receptions per game, um, which, of course, in PPR, given that it is point per reception, it's 8 to 10 additional points per game. Yeah. So on top of that, the fact being that he had already put up pretty decent numbers um, with the whole deal, AB, we know AB is going to get his. End of the day, there has to be a, a solid number two to if benefit. He, if he gets better from his frostbite, you see his feet? <laughs> look disgusting. That's disgusting. That's, that's another topic. Because he wasn't wearing the proper foot equipment? Are you kidding me? But just to give you a little insight, uh, Juju, not only is he consistent, is the player that um, the reason, real reason I wanted to draft him is just he's overall solid. I was had this feeling that he was not going to get hurt. You yeah. want to always shoot for players who are just going to be in there week in, week out. Not injury prone. Played all 16. He averaged about 11 receptions a game, 111 yards, and has seven touchdowns. So, yeah, I believe A.B. had more touchdowns than the man. But at the end of the day, when you're dealing with PPR, you're really not looking at touchdowns. You're looking who's going to give you those catches. Kind of diddling back to the whole Christian McCaffrey, the suburb Le'Veon. The man not only gets you yards out the backfield, but he's also going to give you those catches. And one thing I saw preseason last year was that Cam could not get the ball past 40 yards. Well, the, you know, half the midway through the season, he was hurt. Um, so it was clear that the big benefactor there was going to be Christian McCaffrey because all he's going to do is dumb buffs. Um, maybe once in a while throw it 10 yards, but poor Cam was, uh, you can see he was hurting. Um, Definitely. So we started off letter for net. We came back with Christian McCaffrey. Then we went, our first wide receiver was Juju. Juju. And after Juju, I believe we went ahead and got Jordan Howard, who tend to be a bust last year. Yeah, it was a big bust. We were uh, looking to get, you know, there's something that people should know is always look for starting running backs. Um, there's no bigger value than a running back. Uh, in this case, we thought Jordan Howard was going to be, you know, the workhorse. Um, he had been previously. Unfortunately, he wasn't. <laughs> he was not. <laughs> I think he was in our bench probably throughout the entire season. And the one game that we... We're thinking about starting him, but then we just didn't, I think. He put up like 20-something points. That sounds about right. That sounds about <laughs> And then we're the like, we Howard cannot left. trust this man ever again. Um, I believe after that, we went ahead and we drafted, it looks like, Tevin Coleman, who was still available. Tevin but Coleman, that was, yeah, that was right after Devontae Freeman's um, injury. injury. Yeah. yeah, that was literally right after his injury. Um, and just to give you the trend that you kind of see going is, we didn't shy away from running back. End of the day, a starting running back is like a diamond in the rough. They're hard to come. And you have, if you thought we were slim pickings last year, this year's even worse with the contract holdouts from Ezekiel, Melvin, Melvin Gordon. You have left and right people just not signing contracts. Some people already injured. Then you got some rookies coming in, some second-year players who you really don't know who are, are going to yeah, perform. Yeah, the sophomore year could have been a one-hit wonder. So the way we approached it is best player available. Um, from there, I believe we went with Will Fuller 
which paid off. Which paid off, yeah. So, I mean, it's something that's pretty um, interesting is they always say, you know, championships are not one of the draft. Uh, so a lot of it's going to have to do with your free agent signings, your trades and all things like that. And, yeah, Wolf Fuller and actually Marshawn Lynch was another running back that we drafted near the end of the draft, who I know he is a fossil. But... Come having, those bye weeks, yeah, he come, paid off. Come bye weeks, he paid off. Yeah, he pretty, pretty good, good numbers. But going back, sorry, going back to the Wolf Fuller, having Fuller there, he he, pro- he proved to be great value. As we actually traded him off around week seven when his stock started to rise, we traded him off for James Conner. And what do you know? A week later, <laughs> Wolf Fuller's out for the season. So that was probably our best trade. And I think. And I believe Le'Veon was in the, Miami riding jet skis still. Yes, he was. So, he was actually producing his new album, uh, <laughs> which in case you guys haven't heard. I it. highly recommend. <laughs> it was up for b- debate, but we went with the Kawhi intro because being from San Diego, <laughs> what better than have the man laugh? And that's how we feel doing this podcast. It's nothing but good times. Um, but to, just to give you that piggyback right there is we drafted Will Fuller, but I believe after week one, we found... Kenny Galladay, Kenny, and, yeah, Kenny G and we picked him up right off waiver, waivers, excuse me. And um, with that, we felt the need that you know what, Will Fuller was expendable, especially when you're getting a starting running back like James Conner, and there we was, all know what James Conner did last year. There was too much inconsistency also involved with Will Fuller, and he is labeled as one of the injury prone receivers that we mentioned earlier. Um, so we could ju- we just couldn't hold on to him. Uh, like I said, he was at a good moment where he was syncing up with Deshaun. Is it Deshaun or Deshaun? Deshaun. Deshaun Jackson. Watson. Oh, Deshaun Watson. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Anywho. (laughs) Um. What we're really trying to get to when it comes to drafting is you never want to reach. You know, you want to go ahead, trust your mocks, trust the process, and really try to follow the trends. And if somebody makes a crazy move in your draft, don't let that dictate your next move. Stay up course, basically, meaning best player available, who you think is really going to perform. Um, I personally like to stay away from certain teams um, who I just feel like, for example, there was this whole talk about David Johnson balling out last year. How are you going to ball out when you don't have a quarterback and you don't have anyone but Larry Fitzgerald? I believe Larry Fitzgerald was still the leading fantasy player on that team, which is outrageous when you think about that. But it's really just... Not to disrespect Larry Fitzgerald, oh, the wonderful Fitzgerald receiver, is, but he's a legend. He's he is—he is past his prime completely. And if a thirty-three-year-old wide receiver is your star player, then you might have some things to worry about. And on top of the fact, you have a quarterback who can't even win the starting job in Miami now. Uh, you have Fitzpatrick, who is leading and beating Josh Rosen. So when you have David <laughs> Johnson with the Josh Rosen, I it's, definitely it's, did it's not want to go man. that route. But with a beard like Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, you can do it all. Let me tell you, I'm thinking about drafting Ryan Fitzpatrick first of all. <laughs> if he puts up four of the weeks he did like he did, well, last you know he's gonna year. come out guns blazing. It will. And then after the first week, after throwing 30 inter- touchdowns, he's gonna throw 30 interceptions the next game and back to the bench. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> but the whole other thing we want to go ahead and ensure that we discuss is handcuffs. You know, you're just like I was going back to the fact that your first two picks are home runs. You have to ensure that somehow you give yourself insurance and you handcuff those backups because you don't know in fantasy what's going to go ahead and happen. And handcuffs, you know, most of the time you want to draft them probably near the 
end of the draft. Um, first thing you want to get up there is your first team. Make sure that's up and available. But then while you're drafting your handcuffs, also look at what your rivals are drafting. Um, let's say you, LA, you pick up uh, Todd Gurley in the draft. I'm probably going to pick up Daryl Henderson or I'll pick <laughs> up Malcolm Brown because yep. uh, probably mid, you know, mid-season, Todd Gurley's knee might not be doing so well and they're going to start playing other players. You know, they're going to start rotating. It might go BBC, you know, uh, RBC, I'm sorry, running back by committee. Um, so, you know, yeah, just make sure you're looking at who, what is being drafted and make sure you plan accordingly. And at the end of the day, you want to be prepared. You just don't want to show up to a draft unprepared at the end of, of course, the day. Yeah. You want to make sure. I personally don't do a lot of mocks. And, um, I do a bunch of mocks. And this is coming from, <laughs> <laughs> this is coming from someone who's played 10 years. Uh, I was lucky enough the first year I played, I won the championship, had no idea what fantasy football was. I literally uh, drafted Michael Turner and traded him three weeks in. I had no idea what fantasy was. was Turner with the Falcons or Turner with the Chargers? Turner with the Falcons. So he was the leading running back. I believe that trade ended up winning me the championship because I went ahead and did it for Jonathan Stewart and Antonio Gates. We all know Jonathan Stewart ended up starting that year, if you go back 10 years, when D'Angelo Williams got hurt. So ended up winning me the championship. I thought, man, I'm I'm gifted. I'm a god at this. I'm a legend. <laughs> From there, literally, I can guarantee you four to five years of just shit years. And I started to tell myself I was in four to five leagues. I got this. But I really just came to the realization a couple of years ago that you can't go ahead and overextend yourself when it comes to fantasy. You got to be in about two to three years uh, leagues. Excuse me. Yeah. Find some somebody you see the same vision with. Share those teams. Understand that you know they can go ahead and pick up the same waivers that you would pick up. They can manage the team if you don't have the time to look. Or they're always on top of it too with watching ESPN News, NFL Network, getting updates on who's hurt, who's available, who's getting traded. But Really don't try to go over past three leagues, I would say, because if you do, you, your leagues are going to go ahead and show that you're not giving them the attention that they need. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be certain leagues that you're going to be putting more attention to. You know, you might miss some waiver wire pickups on certain leagues, and obviously that's going to affect your, your team overall performance. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's, that being said, you know, you're saying how you, you need to be prepared for the drafts. How do you prepare for the drafts personally? I personally just watch games. Uh, I do not do mocks. I sit back. I watch the third preseason game. That's the one where the starters usually start a little bit more. Um, I do use a lot of Bleacher Report, and I just go through the headlines personally. Um, Like I said, I do not like mocks. I feel like mocks... I just get overwhelmed. Are you mocking my mocks? <laughs> <laughs> I get overwhelmed. I see people do moves that I feel like would not happen in the real draft, but then I sure. see real draft moves, and I'm like, man, that would never happen in a mock. No one would have drafted him. But personally, I'm just a sports but, fanatic. But I, but I think with mocks, you know, it also gives you kind of an idea of, let's say you're playing with a, you know, all these new new newcomers to fantasy football, and the best advice you can give them is, you know, pick the best available. Oh, the best available is usually top of the list. Always. So, so doing mock drafts, I think, you know, usually the CPU auto picks for you and will pick the best available, which in turn is a top which of the list. Which only makes sense, right? Which only makes sense, right. So then you can kind of get a gist of what's going to happen in a draft if someone were to pick all best available. Exactly. So that already gives you the breakdown right there. If the computer is going to go ahead and do it AI at the end of the day, it usually is the right thing. It might not be the best available because yeah, you got to Yeah, it might remember. end up drafting two or three quarterbacks, Yeah, which in my opinion is a big no-no. Um, 
one quarterback, I think, is more than enough. If you want to go for that second one, sure, but don't get him until probably the 12th round. You know, that's going to be your mystery relevant. You want to have him just in case for that bye week, you know, in case you love your Aaron Rodgers so much you don't want to drop him. I get it, but I wouldn't go any more than two quarterbacks. I would never go more than two quarterbacks, and personally, I wouldn't draft quarterback till the late rounds. And I'm just looking who's the best available, who's a good starter. I'm really trying to fill my wide receivers and running backs. And I'm not even looking yeah. at bye weeks, end of the day. Yeah. A lot of people approach drafts with... Ooh, what about this bye week on yeah, week seven? Like, go dude, I don't give a crap. Bye. If I'm at week seven yeah. and I'm one and six, what, good, what does what, it matter? Why does it matter? <laughs> yeah, or I'm if it's week out. seven and I'm seven and oh, I think I'm fine. Exactly. And I'm, I can already see playoffs. So getting back to it, just give you a little insight how much I don't think the quarterback position is that great. Going into one of my longer leagues that I've been in, uh, I ended up starting Lamar Jackson. Literally the last, I believe, eight weeks, and he literally yep. won me a championship. Lamar Jackson. Well, he's basically a running back. Exactly. <laughs> so that shows you how much importance I show to that position. Now, don't get me wrong. You have some studs out there who are just going to week in and week out give you solid numbers. But personally, I would rather go ahead and give that pick to a running back or a wide receiver that I can go ahead and play week in and week out. Uh I'll give you the breakdown of my personal team that I had. Just looking at it right here, I had a Lamar Jackson. This is who I ended out the year with. A Lamar Jackson, uh, the suburb Le'Veon, which is Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> Gus Edwards, Jamal Williams, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Jared Cook. Uh, same team I went ahead and drafted, Leonard Fournette. And this is a crazy part where I tell you I don't give much attention to the quarterback position. I had Tom Brady on the bench. So I decided that Lamar Jackson the goat. was going to go ahead and ball out more than Tom Brady. Definitely. I think uh – Scoring for quarterbacks is in a way a little bit broken because if you got these rushing quarterbacks, you know, more than likely they're going to make a lot more points by rushing the ball than by passing the ball. You know, standard scoring is usually 25 yards for one point, um, whereas rushing is 10 yards for one point, and Lamar Jackson usually rushes at, at least for like what, 15 attempts? At least. Yeah, very, at very least. minimum. Which I'm not sure if he's going to do. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's going to rush a lot this year, but do you think he's going to go more uh, pass oriented? You think they're uh, going to tamper with his style at all? I'll st- I still think he's going to get his 15 attempts a, uh, a week in, week out. Um, I think he's going to learn more to avoid the hit, slide, uh, run out of bounds. He took a lot of big hits last year, but he was still in there, never got hurt. Uh, but I could still easily see him getting 15 attempts. And I could see that offense being a little more dynamic now with the fact they have Mark Ingram, which should be an interesting piece that they added for the simple fact that he was putting up pretty good numbers out there in New Orleans while sharing the backfield with Kamara, which is just shows you, speaks to the talent that Mark Ingram has, that he took advantage to every carry he got and made sure that he made the most of them to go ahead and leverage that into a contract over here in Baltimore. And now when you're dealing with a run-only offense, basically, I don't even know who their leading receiver was. I believe it was Michael Crabtree, which <laughs> who tells you. Who doesn't have a job right now. Yeah. He wasn't assigned with the Cardinals, but didn't want to at the end of the day. So that tells you that, that the Baltimore Ravens aren't really focusing that much. 
even though they did go ahead and focus some attention at the draft to the wide receiver position and went ahead and drafted Marquise Brown, who Hollywood. I believe who I believe they are uh, going to go ahead and lean heavy on. Um, they still have, I believe, Willie Sneed over there, who is a pretty good PPR slot wide receiver. Um, but besides that, I believe they're going to go ahead and run the ball. Uh, they're going to go ahead and use Mark Andrews, who is pretty solid tight end. He looked pretty good. He looked pretty good those last games. And realistically, they almost ran the table to end the year off and beat the Chiefs at home if it wasn't for the Ravens' defense, which you never really hear often, um, giving up that fourth down in Kansas City to Patrick Mahomes, who, by the way, I said to somebody, would be and possibly be a contender for the MVP position before the year started, saying that he would have a better year than Aaron Rodgers. So you can quote me for saying that. A lot of people had a better season than Aaron Rodgers. You know what's crazy is a lot of people think about that, but let me pull up Aaron Rodgers' stats. I believe he only threw two interceptions last year. He only threw two interceptions. That's coming from a Packer fan. End of the day, two interceptions, I'll take that from my quarterback any day. The only thing is the defense was horrible when it came to the Packers. Um, Devontae Adams balled. We're transitioning well, now. He, to I mean, team. also consider that, you know, he pretty much played with a broken leg. He really did. <laughs> what are his stats? I believe he put up uh, 28 touchdowns, 26 touchdowns, and two interceptions. Ashley was 25 touchdowns, two interceptions. So not a bad year when you're talking about being a Packer fan. But when it comes to fantasy, realistically, 25 touchdowns from your QB isn't much. 4,000 yards, that's awesome. But end of the day, as a Packer fan, he didn't get us to the promised land again. Yeah. And let us And down. I mean, 25 touchdowns isn't bad for what would be a, you know, maybe a tier two quarterback. It's true. Like when you're talking about Ryan Rodgers, he's usually 30 plus. You know, 2017, he had what, 40 touchdowns? 2016, he had 35, I believe. He was right around that area, always about above 30 touchdowns. Well, yeah, well, it definitely you can't compare him to Patrick Holmes, who put up 50 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. I'll take those additional <laughs> touchdowns for <laughs> 10 more ridiculous. interceptions. I still believe that there's going to be a regression this year. I don't think he makes it to the 50. Again. I still think that you're watching probably going forth one of the best players to ever play the game. The, the man is just too talented. The man is talented. I'll, I'll give you that much. He but does. I, I personally he don't like think he can make 50 touchdowns again this year. I don't think he can get the 50. I will, um, it's, I will take a steak dinner from you <laughs> if, well, if I'm wrong. Let's put it like this. Hardcore, I believe right. he's already starting off the wrong foot with the fact that I believe Tyreek Hill this past week was carted off. I know it was only a bruised knee, oh, that's right. uh, but you need your best weapon out there. He still got Travis Kelsey. They, I, I think they plan to. They are. I mean, they're in the draft. You know, they pick up Miko Hardman, who is similar in style to Tyreek Hill as far as like you know being that that uh, field stretcher, that speedy receiver. So I think even if Tyreek were to go out, even though he's a rookie, Miko Hardman would be. A pretty good option for, for for not just fantasy, but for the Chiefs in general. So it seems like we're transi- excuse me, transitioning a little bit more to what we think is going to go ahead and happen this year. So that's a good way for us to transition to maybe who we possibly see as the top five picks. I can give you the first five picks if I was one through five. In position or general? In general. Okay. doesn't matter. You already know I'm going running back. My first overall pick, who I think is going to be the number one, is Alvin Kamara. I think the man is too solid. Uh, I heard people telling me last year he can't handle the full workload. Just wait until actually Mark Ingram comes back. He can't be an every-down running back, and he just Which went ahead. Which, for a second, 
it looked like it was going to be chewing into his time for a second. Like the first two uh, weeks, Mark Ingram was I like, think it was he was more, there, but then he just I think it. it was more of a, let's give him some rest. Yeah. We, we already know who's a starting running back. And, and that's and the thing. Okay, now here's the thing you're saying about rest. So you think he's going to be full-on workhorse back for the next 16 weeks? I believe so. I believe within this two years that he's you been in the Latavius league. You don't think Latavius Murray's going to have anything to do with it? Oh, no. He's going to tamper uh, with his time chair. No, I, Latavius Murray wouldn't have had any time in Minnesota if Davin Cook was actually what he was. Davin Cook is, I believe, one of the most overrated running backs as well for the simple fact that— You think that uh, he's overrated? Overrated. The man is overrated. I think I think he's not getting enough credit. I think this is the year that he blows up. I think this is the year that you're expecting those— 13, 1,200 plus yards with his double-digit touchdowns. I could see that, but I, I really don't believe it. So I could see it doesn't mean I'm going to believe it. Right. So End of the day, because I've just so seen— So he, he wouldn't be in your options to, to draft? Definitely not. I'm staying away from Cook. Uh, so going back, I'm going Kamara. Kamara's number one. Honestly, okay. this man, I put my full-on trust in his Le'Veon, whether he's wearing green or white, the hip-hop uh, artist. black and yellow— you name it, the man is talented. He just has a vision. He rewind, He reminds me a little bit of uh, sweetness, Walter Payton with the patience and being able to glide. He looks like he's just taking his time when he hits a hole. He's not going to hit a hole unless it opens up fully for him. And he's turning no gains into basically at least four or five yards. So my number two overall is Le'Veon. Number three, I'm going with the suburb Le'Veon, which is Christian McCaffrey. And then Barkley. And the reason a lot of people are talking about, well, Barkley's going to be a lot of people's number ones, but... you got one year. It, it goes back... It's a sample for one season. You, know, you really... Then the, the previous three players have proven that they can produce. Yeah, and on top and, of that, it, know, it goes back to my David Johnson. It goes back to who's his quarterback? Who are the other weapons around him? You got rid of Odell. You still have freaking Eli Manning at quarterback. Who knows for how long, though? I, I personally don't see anything wrong with going number one with Barkley. Interesting. Let me see why. Uh, look at him play. Just look at him today. Today he pulled off another like ridiculous play where he just dump off it three yards and then he takes it for 40. I could see that. It's ridiculous. The kid, the kid plays, I think he's the main focal point of that offense. That being said, you know, with OBJ gone, with Golden Tate suspended, who are you going to pass it to? I think they're saying the number two wide receiver or number one wide receiver is going to be um, Corey Latimer. I believe Shepard got hurt right Who for the, the year. Who the hell is that? Yeah. He hasn't done anything and started. Yeah. So I think, I think yes, it's a bad offense. Eli Manning, I think, is done. He is just completely done. He's just now collecting paychecks. I don't know how long he's going to be playing this year. Mm-hmm. Even if you put in Daniel Jones, I think... Uh, Barkley's going to be the main focal point of that offense, both rushing and passing. Well, he has to be because that's all they have. Correct. <laughs> they ain't got Correct. nobody so else. Fa- so that's what I'm saying. For fantasy, though, so, you, want, you want the main guy, right? You want the horse, the, the workhorse. I, I get Barclay. that. But, okay, so just to give you why I feel he's not going to be that man, let's break it down and let, let's look at the, the killers. Let's look at the solid picks. Alvin Kamara, we can all agree he's talented. He's what does Alvin movies. Kamara have? Michael Thomas. What does he have? Drew Brees. Le'Veon. Le'Veon in Pittsburgh. What did he have? Antonio Brown. He also had Juju Smith's <laughs> We know. Juju, we know. And Big Ben. We look at McCaffrey. Before Kelvin Benjamin got traded, he had Kelvin Benjamin. Okay, you trade Kelvin Benjamin, you still got Greg Olson. 
end of the day, yeah, what which, a lot of I people mean, don't notice, last year, what a lot of people don't notice is that all these star running backs are star running backs, but they also have somebody that the defense can go ahead and focus attention to, which means they're not going to go ahead and load up the box on them. I'll give you another one. Melvin Gordon. Who does he got? Keenan Allen. Phillip Rivers. You got additional weapons that are just going to go ahead and take that pressure off yeah, okay, from I, the I running back. Yeah, okay, that's one thing. Now, when, let's pressure, talk about... They're also taking the targets away. Which is fine, because we all know a running back's at least going to get 15 touches. At least, right? At least 15 runs a game is guaranteed. That's yeah. being nice. For a workhorse. Now, the reason why Kamara, Le'Veon, and McCaffrey are in my top three, why? Because not only will they get those 15 running attempts... They're dual threats. Exactly. They're going to get those little dump passes that are going to go ahead and are going to be guarantees. Why again? Because you have Antonio Brown when you had Le'Veon on the outside who could expand the field. You have Michael Thomas on the outside or even in the slot who made you have to pay attention to him. And you have Greg Olson. And at the time you had Kelvin Benjamin. When Cam Newton could throw the deep ball who had to be respected. And had to had your okay, DB. Okay, so, so you're saying how much you like the, you know, those top three because they are dual threat, you know, because of the reception, things like that. Well, here's a fun fact for you. You know, uh, Alvin Kamara had 81 receptions last year. You know how many Saquon Barkley had? How many? 91. And who did Saquon have? What, as what? As quarterback? Additional to his, to his offense? There's nobody else. What do you mean? He had Odell Beckham. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> he was in and out, though. There, there's my point. So... That you just proved my point a little, a little more deeper in the sense that, yeah, Barkley balled, but why? Because he also had Odell there who you had to go ahead and respect. But Odell played, like, what, half the season? He was injured on the third Look, time. Odell was proposing to, I don't know, Phil and, and, and then you're going to tell me, I mean, Kamara has what? Uh, Michael Thomas, probably the, the newest, highest paid wide receiver Correct. in the NFL. Correct. And that's what I'm talking about. So these running backs have somebody else that the offense can go ahead and lean on if the running game isn't there and then what happens is these offenses tend to go when they can't lean on the running game become pass happy and they're not just going to throw the ball deep every time you're going to start getting those five that's what i'm saying and you don't offs. think the giants are going to fall behind in like 99 percent of their games and going to be doing dump it doesn't offs matter to Saquon? it doesn't matter because in the, the day all you have to do is load up the box Make sure you stop uh, Barkley. And besides Barkley, who else do you have to give attention to on that offense? Absolutely nobody. It's the David Johnson you could, effect. You could, you could touch. Um, you could talk Evan Ingram. You know, he's gonna. He's, gonna play, he's probably gonna be the main beneficiary of Odell Beckham leaving. He is gonna be the main beneficiary. I agree to that hundred percent. But when you look around the league, you have these running backs who are stars. Like I just told you too, Melvin Gordon, and who who's a, a big benefit to that San Diego off? Well, excuse me, Los Angeles so office. Who? Who? Sorry, it's Keenan. Keenan. Keenan is a PPR monster. Yeah, he's gonna get you ten catches a game. And what does that do? Just open up the the running game. And besides opening, how high, up, how high do you have Keenan? Oh, Keenan to me is within is your a what stud. top five, ten? He's 15? a stud. When it comes to wide receivers, my number one wide receiver is Devontae Adams. That man is consistent. Consistent. Don't no disrespect to DeAndre Hopkins. I just personally like Aaron Rodgers more than I do Deshaun Watson. Just so happens that you're also a Packer fan, so and, there might know, be it and, might be a little bit of bias love in there. And let's be honest, <laughs> if you take away Devontae and you still had Jordy Nelson in that yellow and green, you would probably end up picking Jordy Nelson because when Jordy Nelson was a 
stud, he was a stud. Yep. But you can never go wrong going Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins. Those two guys are just when I I was listening to something and it's crazy because if DeAndre Hopkins only has to do one thing, he needs to write down the quarterbacks he's had. Yeah. And take that to the owner and say, pay here's the up. reason why you got to pay me. <laughs> I believe when you look at the quarterbacks he had. Going back to when he entered the NFL, you have Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> decent, Brandon Whedon, Brock Oswell, the robber. Who Brock Oswell, he pretty much made money. <laughs> backed up the Brinks truck on him. Ryan Mallett, Brian Hoyer, Tom Savage, TJ Yates. Tom Savage, isn't he like a thousand years old? I can guarantee you that owner's going to look two names down the list and just say, here's a blank check, my man. You take it, and you take it to the bank. He's also going to look at, at that list and be like, what the hell were we thinking? So then, <laughs> We hit the jackpot with Deshaun. <laughs> so then when you get past Devontae Adams and your DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you probably still want to go AB, even though AB probably has. You go AB over Juju? No, I go Juju. Juju, I feel, is more... A well-rounded in the sense that he's going to give me 16 weeks. Look at AB's out here, not wearing sandals and chronotherapy and freezing his feet. Freezing his feet. And, uh, Which doesn't look good. Who knows I, if he'll be wait, ready for week more one. worry about the corns on his feet than the actual skin playing off his uh, feet a little bit. But I personally would probably go Juju over AB and just because of the targets. We all know AB is going to get his. That's a guarantee. From there, you really want to look around the league and say your other top targets are. Now, here's well, here's my other question. You're saying AB, but would you? I would probably go Julio Jones before I go AB. <sighs> Definitely. So Julio. I mean, I don't know if I, I don't know if I really have AB as my top five. Not like he used to be. You know, AB was guaranteed. Maybe even you have a top five pick, you would maybe go ahead and take AB no matter what. Yeah, because I mean, look, and I mean, going back to to Juju's numbers, they are they were you know absurd. What? In the first that, two years, he's had fourteen touchdowns. That, that's a solid. He's point. got over twenty three hundred yards. I mean, you're talking about you progression every every you every year. Up a solid point because I believe now looking at it, there's a there's a handful of wide receivers I probably take over AB. I probably take Keenan Allen over AB. Who? You know, that's a real conversation you can have. And I think that comes down to who you're going to trust more, Derek Carr or Phillip Rivers. Very true. Very true. And I think Phillip Rivers and Keenan Allen already have that, that chemistry working together, whereas you really don't know what to expect from Derek Carr and, and A.B. Yeah, but like you said, guaranteed Julio is above A.B. currently. Especially if he can get his touchdowns like he did at the end of the year. Here's another one, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper ball over AB. Yeah, I really. Believe, I believe the, the 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 games that he played with the Cowboys. I believe he put up about six hundred and eighty yards, something roughly around there. And he only played, I believe, like seven weeks, eight weeks with the Cowboys and with the Dak Prescott. I love Dak, but Dak is not no all star. He can get you the Ws. He can get you to maybe a playoff win, even to that Super Bowl. But with the Cowboys, looking at his stats right in front of me, he put up 53 receptions, 725 yards, six touchdowns, and the man was a beast. He he took on everyone's best corner and ate them for lunch. But see, what I worry about Amari Cooper, I I still have this this idea of him when he was with the Raiders that he was very boomer bust. Mm-hmm. So when I'm talking about season long. 
it makes me it, it makes me a little doubtful to to draft a guy that it's like oh man I don't know really what to expect unless I pair him with somebody that has a a higher floor per se a safer option kind of like a okay say you pair up Amari Cooper and Keenan Allen that's a that's a great pair you know you something like that you know you got this boomer bust guy that on the boom weeks you know he's gonna put up all these points but on those bust weeks it won't hurt as much because you have somebody like Keenan Allen who's gonna be like your baseline you know you know he's gonna get a solid eight seven receptions per game that will be you know. It'll make up for for that bus game that Mari Cooper might have, but like I said, I don't I don't know if I would I don't know how high I, have, I would have Mari Cooper. I don't know if top five is, is still an option for me. I think he's outside of the top five. Top ten with potential to sneak in in that top five. But when you really start having a conversation about AB, you really start having the conversation of a changing of the guard because you know someone else who's probably falling off that top five is probably AJ Green. AJ Green is well, no longer definitely in the top five with an injury, but he was always a guaranteed top five wide receiver, and he would always get his no matter what. He's a value though right now. If yeah. you ask me in the draft, he's probably dropping to a. I think I've seen. Like I said, I do do a lot of mock drafts, and I, and I, you know, and talking to other people, you know, what where they would draft him, he's dropping to about the third or fourth round because of the injury. Because just looking over the teams, I can easily give you five wide receivers before AB, before uh, Amari. And oh, before yeah. an AJ Green, just looking here, you probably have I my number one who is Devontae Adams, but that doesn't mean he is the best. A lot of people will tell you Michael Thomas. Yep. That's a fair bet. Number two, easily you can say Julio. From there, you can go ahead and go Devontae. You can go DeAndre. You still have Odell. I would Ooh. go, I would, I would, Ooh. that's what I was going to say. I was going to say in my top five, I got Odell. The highest ceiling potential with the Cleveland Browns, that offense is Stacked when you look from tight end to running back to backup running back to Jarvis Landry to Odell and Baker. The man just wants to get paid, and he's all about winning. Yeah. When you have a quarterback who's about winning, you're going to go ahead and share that rock. And I can guarantee you everybody in that offense is going to get theirs. Looking around the league, you still have some people – such as you have the Colts, you know, T.Y. T.Y. Hilton. But I th- see, T.Y. Hilton is more of a top 10, second round kind of guy. And the one man that can only run one route, can't run a slant, can't run an out, but he can run <laughs> the deep, Tyreek Hill. You know yeah. Tyreek Hill is going to get his. And with Patrick Mahomes, no matter what, that ball is going deep. This is an interesting man that easily could have been in the top 10 if he did not tore that tear that ACL. Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup from the Rams. Yeah. He was on track to be a stud. I have even touched probably the highest ceiling of them all. Adam Thielen. The man was a beast. I'm not sure if the highest ceiling is Adam Thielen. He's got a high ceiling, but I don't think it's the highest. For what he is He's worth, a PPR beast. Realistically, first nine I, weeks. I, I want to guarantee that. Uh-huh. I want to say he was probably drafted around... Sixth or seventh round. He was valued. He was definitely. He's going. He was going he after Stephon. And he was easily a first or second. The man round had numbers. 113 receptions, 1373 yards, and nine touchdowns. And that's what the Kirk Cousins. Who but not had, to mention, this was probably more, mainly main week one through nine. Yeah, and, and that's also with the Kirk Cousins who had a, a shaky first year with the Vikings. Uh, so that shows you his potential because they still got Diggs. Stiggs. Still got his numbers, which were not bad at all. Over 1,100 yards. Yeah. And then when you're just looking around the league, you still have the Niners who are getting, you know, uh, Garoppolo back and their wide receivers. 
if you know Shanahan can go ahead and get from, those. From the, here's a good question. From the wide receivers there, because you know it was rumored that the 49ers were going to go for AB, yep. but they didn't. That tells me they're feeling pretty good about their options they already have in their roster. Who would be your number one target to go for if you were picking a 49ers wide receiver? Oof. You know, I'm looking at their wide receivers right now. Marcus Goodwin had a great year, but he's another Tyreek Hill. He can only run one route. And I believe in the offseason, he won the 40-yard dash competition and is the fastest man in the NFL. So you probably are looking at Marquise Goodwin, just Goodwin, just for the simple fact that you got uh, Garoppolo back and he can throw that deep If he ball. can stay healthy, I, I'm looking more towards Dante Pettis. Uh, rookie last year, he had 27. I know it's, it's a small sample. Um, but he 20, had 27 receptions, 467 yards, and five touchdowns. Yeah, he was a stud in Washington. And that's not with only, two different quarterbacks. That is true. And not only and not one of them was his main starting quarterback, which is Jimmy G. And not only is he a threat wide receiver-wise at Washington, he would return those punts and kickoffs. I He's believe quick. he has the college record for the most returns. So yep. the man yep. is a stud. Uh, I, so think, I, I think I think that's that I think in his sophomore team. year he's gonna he's gonna blossom. You know what? When you when you get into that team is do you really go ahead and touch Jared McKinnon? <sighs> do you touch any other running backs? Yeah, do you want to go with Coleman, McKinnon, Breida? I mean, I probably, Breida was probably something that they weren't expecting to blow up like that. I probably stay away and I look at the value in the Tevin Coleman way because Breida can't handle sixteen games. He's too small. He's gonna get hurt. A McKinnon is a great. Uh, dual threat yeah he's a change of pace back but the real winner there is Tevin Goldman is is he going to get those touches the bottom the bottom line is when it comes to these kind of you know running back by committees you kind of want to stay away you want to you want to steer clear not say you know if you're in the bottom of the draft and you have to you know you see those running backs take them you know you never know which one's going to be a value you saw last year you know two of them got hurt um, so, you know, there, there could be potential value there, but I wouldn't take him as your starting running backs. Yeah. So when you really start looking around the league, there's potential that A.B. can possibly slide out of that top 10 because you also have the Chargers who Mike Williams had a solid Mike Williams second good. half of the year. Double digit touchdowns. A lot of people were drafting him and I wasn't high on drafting him. But when he balled, he balled. And I believe he had a Denver game where he I want to say went for three touchdowns on Denver, game-winning two-point conversion yep. to walk off the field at mile high and leave Denver with their, you know, foots in their mouth. And that was with sharing, you know, a lot of a lot of these targets with Tyrell Williams, who has obviously gone on with the Raiders. So I think this year, you know, last year Mike Williams had 43 receptions, 664 yards. So I think this year both of those numbers are going to go up. He did have 10 touchdowns, so I'm not sure if he's going to be able to replicate those numbers or better them, but you know, definitely shows he's a, he's a big dude. So definitely with red zone, you know, the, I expect touchdowns to be not a problem, but reception and yards I expect to go up. And on top of that, another benefit to Mike Williams might be the fact that you have Dean Spanos, who is the tightest pocket in the world and does not want to go ahead and pay Melvin Gordon, which means it's going to lead to more targets on Phillip and more on Phillip having to carry the offense, which means more targets for Keenan. Uh, Hunter Henry and more for Mike Williams. You don't think you don't think uh, Eckler and Justin Jackson are gonna oh, step it man. up Come so as, as enough to both of them together make the same amount of uh, attempts? No, thank you. No, thank you at all. At the end of the day, you're talking about Melvin Gordon, who's a dual threat. Eckler is not a dual threat. 
We know what Melvin can do. You know, he had that freshman slump. He's out of there. The man deserves to get paid. When it comes to money, I feel you go ahead and pay everybody. I was somebody who said, Le'Veon need to get paid. I say you pay Ezekiel. You go ahead and pay Melvin. You got Phillip Rivers for maybe two or three more years. There's no reason to act like you tight. You live in L.A. now. You know you shop in Beverly. You need to go ahead and write that check and pay <laughs> that man. See, but what I'm looking uh, yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. You have to pay. But what if he, you know, they're famous. The Spanos is famous and not, not want to pay up players. So, you know, if you were to draft today, first of all, would you take Melvin Gordon in the draft? Yes. Okay. If I at, know he has a at, at what At what point? No, no, no. Not knowing. Today. If he was, you were to draft oh, the, right, right now. Right now, with the uncertainty of his yeah. contract and him requesting a trade. Would you draft him if you do at what no, point? No, thank you. I do not. Anybody who's having Third him, round? Nope. You wouldn't take Melvin Gordon on third round? He, he's going, the, the reason why I say no, because he's not going to be there. Somebody, some unfortunately uneducated fantasy football player is going to go ahead. Right, yeah, yeah. That's definitely not going to be there. But if in the scenario where you're playing with where you're playing with people that, you know, they've probably, been doing this for years and they you know what? He drops to the third round. I middle probably, of third round. I probably still pass on him and maybe fourth. I'll go ahead and get him on the way back. All right. Because, like what I about said, Okay, what about Eckler? You no, know, thanks. No. I'm you would you're not going to take Eckler at all. Are you kidding in me? In the third round? Well, not 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 at third round, but you're not going to take him, you know, no, look, like, looking to get him to be one no, of your 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 no starting running backs? No way. You're telling me you would start an Eckler I'm just going to put him in the league he's in. You would start an Eckler over an AP? I would definitely start Eckler over no, AP. AP is, if, 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 Gordon, if Gordon is out and Eckler's the starting running back of the Chargers, that's a okay. very do good you, offense. I you, would start him. Do you start an Eckler over Howard, who is now with the Eagles? There's too much uncertainty with the Howard. Is it going to be Howard? Is it Miles Sanders? It's going to be Howard. Howard. Is it Darren Sproles? No, it's going <laughs> from the graveyard. It's going to be Howard, and we know what they can do when they run that offense on all cylinders. End of the day, Eckler is a nice, fancy little, you know, sports car. But end of the day, I'm staying away because I like my heavy duty. Every down, I can go ahead and write the check and ensure that the cash is when it gets to. I the just, end. I, I, my so only, my only fear is Jordan being Jordan as last year and not. Not not producing. You know, here's the thing. When you're dealing with the running back position, people don't tend to understand that you need to get rhythm. So when you have a coach who's continuously just changing up the rhythm, bringing in well, new and also backs, and, and, and a new and a new system, you know, Cohen, new system. You know, I'll tell you that that's probably that that offense has one of the most potential sleepers in all of fantasy football, and that's Cordell Patterson. Cordell Patterson in that office is dangerous. If Cordell Patterson was running the ball out of the New England backfield and at times was the leading back, imagine what Nagy can do with Cordell Patterson out of the slot. Recently, there was a a report came out that, you know, they they were testing him at the running back position. They're going to use him all over the place. you line up Cohen, Tariq Cohen on one side, and then you have Cordell on the other. Who the hell are you going to stop? Exactly. Not to mention that they still have uh, uh, what's his name, Allen Robinson, who was you know not yeah. that bad. Uh, Trey Burton, I, I, I think he's peaked. And then you have Mitch. Mitch Trubisky is solid. The man is a dual threat. He can man throw the rock. Solid. He can run. He can take a hit. He's gonna stand in the pocket. He was actually our quarterback in last year's league. That is correct. <laughs> so there's no favoritism there. It's just the fact that the man can ball. The man can I'm play. not saying he's and. 
elite, elite quarterback, but he's a solid. But definitely week in, is. Week out fantasy I believe he's going the, around the ninth, tenth round. That's probably a good spot if you want to get a quarterback tenth and on. Um, and if if Trubisky's there, that's a pretty good option to pick up. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Bears, though, while we're still there, what do you think about Tariq Cohen? You think uh, he's going to be the main guy? You think Devin? Um, not not saying say Devin Montgomery is going to be the main guy. I probably would think that they're going to lean on Cohen. Or do you think it's going to be the same kind of a one-two punch? It's going to be that same one-two punch. It's going to be that change of pace. The thing is with Cohen, it's dangerous because you have the man returning punts and kicks. So he has more potential to potentially get hurt. Man had um, 99 attempts, 444 yards with three touchdowns. However, he also had 71 receptions. That's amazing. So, so I think that's a solid flex start. That's a solid flex start. If you had him playing your flex, you probably made the playoffs easily, guaranteed. But when you really look around right now, you're dealing with a lot of uncertainty. You know, you're dealing with the fact that you have Ezekiel who wants a contract. You have Melvin. Who wants a contract like you just said a great point is Howard going to be a good Howard or is he going to be something that you have to question every week should I start him or bench him you have a Chicago backfield you have no idea who's going to be the, the, every down back so when you look around there's a lot of uncertainty you have Le'Veon who's just gone to the Jets you don't know what kind of numbers after taking a whole year off you have the leading, well, now he's going to lead the backfield in Cook in Minnesota, right? So you have like a him, lot like of things that are uncertain. But what is certain are the three picks that no matter what are a home run, and that's Kamara, McCaffrey, and Barkley. You know they're going to get their touches, whether it's running or catching the ball out of the backfield. Pretty much can't make a wrong choice there. If you're the first pick and you take, you want to take a gamble on any one of those three, you're set. Yeah. So... I know this has been a little bit all over the place. You know, you got to go ahead and let us work out some kinks. It is our first, what we first like to podcast. call the, pilot, the pilot, you know, the test mode. But we can promise you going forth is going to be more, more organized, structured. more structured. We're going to go ahead and cover topics thoroughly, give it the proper time, and ensure that we're going ahead and give you the insights that we believe matter, the stuff that those other insiders are unfortunately not paying attention to. Um, like I said... For our first podcast, I think it went amazing. Um, we're, you know, definitely getting our feet wet. Um, if you guys have any suggestions, comments, uh, you want, or any topics you want us to cover, you can send us an email at notanotherfantasypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, make sure to subscribe to Apple Podcasts. You can find us, obviously, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, and we'll be here next week. Bye bye.